number four. And if you're just joining uh, with us, we've been journeying through the, the letter of Ephesians, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And as we've been looking here in Ephesians 4, Paul has been giving us a list of sins that used to characterize the old man, the old nature. And uh, that old nature, which is uh, corrupt, it's deceitful in its desires. And for those of us that know the Lord, that are believers in the Lord, we've been born again. Um, We have been resurrected from death to life. Paul calls us to walk in a resurrected way, a new life in Christ. And so if you're a believer in the Lord, it's not just, well, I'm, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. It should be, your life should be characterized by a new type of walk, a Christian type of walk. And uh, we're supposed to be putting off this old self, which belongs to our former manner of life, which is deceitful and corrupt with its desires. And uh, we are supposed to be putting on the new man, which is created after Christ Jesus in righteousness and true holiness. And so Paul gives us several of these uh, sins that we've been looking at uh, really over the past few weeks, such as lying, sinful anger, um, stealing, and uh, last week we covered about uh, corrupt speech. And he's going to continue this list uh, in verses 31 through 32 of Ephesians 4, but kind of right in the middle of all of that, as he lists those sins, and then when he'll continue on the rest of the the verses there, he puts in this, uh, this commandment, and basically he tells us, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And as we've been looking through this passage, Over the past few weeks, I would say that all of us have been guilty of these sins, whether it be lying, corrupt speech, uh, stealing, sinful anger. All of us have have, uh, one time or another uh, fallen into that vicious cycle of those uh, types of sins. You know, you sometimes think, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be be wonderful? Wouldn't it be nice um, to not be tempted with the desires and the deceitfulness? of your flesh, that would, be, that would be sublime. To know that you wake up and know that everything's gonna go well, there's not gonna be that temptation there to say the wrong thing or uh, think the wrong thing or uh, to react in a, in a sinful anger type of uh, response. But the fact is that all of this is part of our sanctification process. You see, God wants you to fight sin and temptation. Because in fighting, it strengthens your relationship with God. With fighting, it shows that you desire to walk in holiness and true righteousness with Jesus Christ. And so as we look through God's word, we, we find several people that, that struggled with, with the, the, the vicious cycle of sin Uh, We find David, who was a man after God's own heart, that uh, after years of walking with God and writing many of the uh, psalms and inspired psalms, he succumbed to temptation of adultery, deception, and murder. Uh, The wisest man on the earth, Solomon, 
Uh, He had several personal encounters with God, fell into the sin of idolatry. So if you think that maybe you've arrived at a point where sin no longer affects you or that sin is not part of your, uh, of your daily struggle in life. I was talking with a, with a man recently and going through some struggles. And he said, I just wish it would all stop and go away. And I said, it may never stop. It may never go away. But the answer is, are you fighting it? Are you fighting the battle of sin and temptation in your life? Paul's warning to us in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. And so sin always appeals to us with a very powerful force and we need motivation for holy living that is stronger than our sin. What is going to keep you from sinning? What is the motivation for you to keep falling into that pattern of vicious cycles of sin? When faced with the temptation, what is going to keep you from sinning? And I believe this is where this verse here in verse 30 really uh, gives us and shows us why we need to live the resurrected new life that is created after Christ Jesus in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, The answer that we need is to live a resurrected life. We need to be an imitator of God, to no longer walk as the unbelievers do, but to walk after the pattern of Jesus Christ. That That was Paul's whole argument. He says, assuming that you have heard about Christ, that you were taught in Christ is the truth that is in Jesus. So we need motivation We need motivation for holy living. So let's examine this verse here of what the scripture says here about stop grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And I really want to bring this this message in with three questions. What, how, and why? What, how, and why? But before we jump into it, can we have a time of prayer in As I pray, will you pray this to the Lord um, and ask him, Lord, am I grieving you with my sin? Show me that I grieve you. Show me how I grieve you with my sin. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to your word, I pray that we would examine our hearts Your word tells us to examine ourselves, to judge ourselves, to bring ourselves into the the word and, and that we may place ourselves under the authority of the word, the headship of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that you reveal our sinful hearts that we have towards you. Help us to see how we grieve you. And why this is so important that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. May you speak to them, transform them by the power of your word. And we ask all this in the name of Christ. Amen. So let's jump here into this uh, passage of scripture here, verse number 30. 
First of all, what does this mean? He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does that mean? When we come to a verse like this, we must ask, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Because when we come face to face with that word grieve, our inclination is, boy, that's a very negative command. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Does the Spirit of God really grieve over our sin? Why this word grieve? I believe many times in our Christian faith walk that when we become comfortable with darkness and we become comfortable with sin, we start to think that it's really not that big of a deal with God anymore. But God is grieving over our sin. The word grieve means to cause to feel grief or sorrow. In the New Testament, we find a few other places that can kind of really help us bring into light this word grieve here. In Mark chapter 10, 22, Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler that asked about inheriting eternal life. And he says, good master, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, he says, well, uh, keep all the commandments. Uh, And he says, well, I've kept all those commandments from my youth up. And Jesus says, this one thing that you lack then, he says, Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And we see this young rich ruler, it says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In John chapter 21, verse number 17 Jesus talking to Peter and asking him if he loved him. This is after the resurrection account. And this is after Peter had, had uh, uh, denied the Lord three times. Uh, Jesus comes to Peter and he asks him, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then finally the third time he asks me, he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 4, Paul, in Paul's uh, second letter there to the Corinthian church, as he's writing to them, telling them why he's writing to them again, uh, in the first letter of, of Corinthians, we see that Paul was dealing very harshly with the type of sin that was going on within the Corinthian church. Sexual immorality was running rampant. There was divisions going on within the church. And Paul writes to him a second time. And in verse number four, he says this. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. And so we can see that grief and sorrow are always connected 
with a person's love and care that they have for the individual. But in our text here, in verse number 30, this word grieve carries a weightier meaning. What do you mean? Paul writes, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And just as we've seen that that word grieve carries these emotional responses from one human being to another, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we are not grieving a it. We are not grieving a force. As one confused uh, celebrity pastor said recently discussing theology with Oprah Winfrey, he agreed with her when she said the Holy Spirit is a thing, a power, a force, or divine energy. And he agreed and told her that's exactly what it is, a divine energy. Folks, we are not grieving a mystical floating force. You are grieving the very person of God when we sin. Jesus said in John 14, 26 about the Holy Spirit, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. He will teach you all things. He will show you. He will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So we must understand that when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we are grieving him, God the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity. You see, as human beings, sometimes we don't think correctly about how our sin affects God. But Paul here in our text with such passion in his words, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, desires for us to be just more than human emotion. God himself is grieved. When I was growing up, I had a parents that loved me, cared for me, wanted to teach me, help me do things that were right. And when I got to be older... I realized that when my actions, when I would do certain things that were not right, sure, my parents were upset, but more than that, they were grieved that their son was following, doing certain things. And so God says that he is grieved at our sin. He's sorrowful at our sin. So knowing that we can grieve the Holy Spirit because he has feelings and can feel the pain of our sin, that should drive us to holy living because God himself feels the very grief in the face of our sin. So the next question then is, how then do we grieve him? How then do we grieve him? We grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin. It's interesting that Paul puts this command right here in Ephesians 4 because as we begin looking here at Ephesians 4, it shows us why we are to live out all the doctrinal part of Ephesians 1 through 3. Remember all the spiritual blessings, everything that we have in Christ. And Paul says, now this is how you're supposed to live it out. Actually live these things out. Holy living. 
And what is Ephesians 4 calling us to do practically? Walk in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to be building up the body of Christ. We're supposed to be attaining to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We're supposed to be mature in the measure and the fullness of Christ. We're supposed to be grounded in the word. We're supposed to be speaking truth in love. We're supposed to be growing up and building up the body of Christ in love. We're supposed to walk in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't use our anger in a sinful way. We should stop stealing. We should use speech for edification and giving grace. And we are supposed to put away our bitterness, our wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. We're supposed to be kind to each one another and forgive each other. So we should really consider the enormity of our sinfulness before a holy and righteous God. Because when we sin, we cause sorrow, we cause grief to God. And since we've been here in Ephesians 4, any of these sins that uh, I just mentioned that cause disunity within the church grieve God. So this is so important even for this body of believers that as we grow together in unity... When somebody slanders, when somebody gossips, when somebody steals, when somebody lies, when somebody does not walk in humility, when we are respond in sinful anger, God is grieved at that because it's the spirit that what brings unity within the body of the believers. And so when we grieve God, we're causing this disunity within the church. So knowing how we grieve him should motivate us to not want to harm him. And that leads us here to our last point. So how do we grieve him? We grieve him with our sin. But why should we no longer grieve him? Why we need to stop? Paul answers our question for us here. You need to stop grieving the Holy Spirit because we are sealed by him for the day of redemption. What exactly does that mean? To be sealed by him for the day of redemption. We find the same phrase used in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The NASB puts it this way. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. This means of guaranteeing his promises to those who have received Jesus Christ. God has sealed them. He has sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So every believer is given the very Holy Spirit of God the moment that we trust Christ as our Savior. Paul says in Romans 8, 9, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, 
But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And so, if the spirit of Christ does not dwell in you, you do not belong to God. But if there was a time in your life when you repented of your sin and you turned to faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, the Holy Spirit of God came to indwell you, and there's what the scripture says here, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when a person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within his life. Life in Jesus Christ then should be different because the Spirit of God is now dwelling inside. That's why we should not grieve him because he lives within. So he's there to empower us, to equip us for ministry, to function through the gifts that he has given to us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our advocate. He protects and he encourages us. He also guarantees our inheritance in Jesus Christ. And the sealing of which Paul speaks here, it refers to an official mark. It's an identification, a mark of identification that was placed on a letter or a contract or other important documents. Um, I remember when I was in college, I used to write my wife all these really sweet love notes and stuff. And now after I got married, she goes, how come you don't do that anymore? And one of the things that I did, uh, I thought it would be cool, was I got some of this wax, and you would heat it up, and it would drip. And then it had this little stamp, and you would fold the paper over, a nice little love note. You fold it over and stamp that wax. There we go. Got it sealed. And I would give it to her, thinking, man, she's really going to love this one. And so Paul uses this illustration here. He says, you are sealed. Nobody could open that document except the document to whom it was given, which is God himself. And you are sealed within the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has sealed you unto the day of redemption. So why should we stop Grieving the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is deeply grieved over our sin. The Spirit does not depart when sin is committed, nor do we lose him. Instead, the Spirit deeply grieves over our sin. Paul presents this as a truth that should motivate us to holy living. He's telling us don't lie, don't steal. Don't sit there and use your mouth for corrupt communication. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Live righteously. Live holy. He's grieved over your sin. Don't do these things. So if we don't lose him when when we sin or our inheritance, we don't lose that. What happens then when we do sin? What do we lose? What happens Well, we will be disciplined with love. Hear the words of Hebrews. Let's turn over there real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. 
Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And the writer of Hebrews gives us some, uh, some real encouragement for the believers who know Christ. This is what he says in uh, Hebrews 12, verse number 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. Notice this phrase. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, when you grieve the Holy Spirit over your sin, the Bible tells us that we will be disciplined with love. A second thing that happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit is we will lose the joy of our salvation. Not lose our salvation, but lose the joy of our salvation. After David repented of his sin, he prayed that God would restore the joy of his salvation. Listen to what he says in Psalm 51, 12. Let me again experience the joy of your deliverance, your salvation. Sustain me by giving me the desire to obey. Thirdly, we will lose the assurance of answered prayer. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He'll hear the prayer of repentance. But if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. And so we as believers sometimes, we get into this vicious cycle of sin. And it becomes easier and easier and easier for us to go on living in a sinful type of lifestyle without any regard to God, but then we still try to put on the front, put on the facade that we're holy Christians, that we're living a holy life. And God is deeply grieved at that. Fourthly, we will lose the joy of fellowship with other believers. 
Listen to what 1 John 5 through 7 reminds us. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so knowing that we can grieve God, knowing that our sin grieves God, that should motivate us for holy living. So the answer is, how come when I sin, I'm not as upset about it as God is? Could it be because we love our sin? Could it be because we like our sin? Could it be because we want to continue in our sin? And we really don't love God. And we really don't love his word. You will never have more love for God than you do for the word of God. That's why we must place ourselves, submit ourselves under the authority of the word. Because when we begin to depart from the the word then we just start living however we want to, start doing whatever we want to please ourselves with. And God calls us back under the authority of his word, saying, this is how you're supposed to live. Don't live this way. It grieves me when you depart from it. One of the hardest things that I've ever experienced when I was growing up was um, when I was, I think I was in middle school at the time, And I really wasn't applying myself to my studies. I really wasn't uh, turning in my homework and stuff like that. And schools, uh, I don't know if they still do this now, but before the report card would come out, they would send home a deficiency notice. Okay, This would go in the mail, and it would notify your parents saying, hey, your son is real close here to getting a D or an F. Okay. And uh, my brother at that time, he was in high school. I was in middle school. And so high school got out before middle school did. The schools were really close to each other. We walked to school. And my brother would get home. And I remember one of those deficiency notices got sent in the mail. So what did my brother do? He took it. He says, I got your deficiency notice here. How much are you going to give me so I won't give it to your mom and dad? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) holding me for ransom. (laughs) Well, of course, I didn't want my parents to find out, so I paid my brother, okay? And then I still didn't apply myself, and I got the report card. And when my parents saw those grades, they were grieved that their son was not doing what he should be doing. I feared my parents more in the sense, not that, not that I was going to get in trouble, but I feared them because I had disappointed them. That my parents' heart was broken, that I was not doing what I should be doing. 
And so when we sin against God, it should be the sense that we have broken his heart, that he has grieved over that. And that should motivate say, oh God, I love you. I don't want to live this way. I want to live the way that you desire for me to live and not grieve you over my sin.